thing. Turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89, important to read there, a mesquil of Ethan the Ezraite, and so we have not a psalm of David, yet a psalm that references David as that which has come before, and yet in the time of Ethan, perhaps now a song spoken into a context of, of exile, of struggle, of difficulty, of Babylon coming against Israel as judgment for her sin. And so having to see this this bit of, Lord, this is what you've promised, and yet this is what's going on. And so being able, even within the context today, of saying, I know your promises, Lord, and yet this is what we see. How do we reconcile this? And yet it is all reconciled in the one who is our Lord. So let's hear these words together. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever in the heavens. You will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord? With your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon, joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor our horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever. And his throne as the days of heavens. If his children forsake my law... And do not walk according to my rules. If they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. 
His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon it shall be established forever. A faithful witness in the skies. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. As far the reading of God's holy word may apply it to our hearts and to our lives tonight. Let's ask him to do that in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we come before the words of this very powerful and emotional psalm, Lord, you remind us of great steadfast faithfulness, mercy, and love. Lord, you reveal it very plainly. But Father, also in those moments where we struggle to understand, Lord, what are you doing? And this is what you've said, and this is what you've sworn, and this is what you will do. And yet, our experience is anything but that. Lord, would our praise tonight resolve in the same way, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, Lord, may your blessing be upon the proclamation and the receiving of your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, children of God, called to be saints, for those of you who are young among us, you'll miss this at the beginning, but you'll get there. But if you ask your parents at some time, what is a mixtape? I would love to hear the answer that they might give. And so now we're talking about cassettes, so we're before MP3s a long way and just downloadable music whenever you want, to those days where if we wanted to hear something again, it had to be recorded off the radio. And certainly for those burgeoning, blossoming with love, you wouldn't just send a, a snap or a text, oh no, you would send a tape. Those favorite songs, your own musings, maybe a little bit of your own music. But it was for a very important purpose, because that tape played over and over again, because you might not have been able to use the phone because long distance called a lot or, or cost a lot or you weren't near each other. You needed something to listen to. You needed something to hang on to. And so you'd click play on that cassette, making sure you didn't push record and screw that up. But but there you would hear something to remind you of the love of the send, sender, the, the words of love or encouragement and comfort and good times, something to listen to again and again when you started crying a little bit or you missed each other a lot. 
And you could do that even in those hard times because you trusted as far as you could in your adolescence that the sender of that tape was steadfast, that his feelings for you were constant, that it wasn't going to change no matter the days or the time or the distance, unchanging as days continue. And yet I would imagine that a number of those tapes got junked very quickly after they were sent. Not because of operator error, but because of our own fickle hearts. Because of the fact that we're just not always incredibly steadfast. And nor are our actions always blessings. And so they become weird bits of their own kind of monument or a, a space in time that might be something nice to remember occasionally, but it doesn't have lasting power, especially when you can't find many cassette players anymore. But I bring this up because of our need for the same kind of of commitment, the same kind of reminder from the Lord. Those kinds of psalms that we come back to again and again to be mindful of how He loves me and what He's working and what he's promised, and to hear it in the sweetness of a song that we can sing along to with him, to be mindful of the fact that he's always going to be the same, that he's always going to be there, that the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, is, even by way of his name, forever steadfast. His actions and gifts are always blessings. And that's true in the light of his presence when we know that nearness, where we see the light of his face, where we rejoice in that number six ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and the light of his countenance and give you peace. But, but while he is always who he is, our times are always not a reflection of that in the same way. For there are those dark days where we need to be reminded to wait for him to call out to him, to know that he's still working even when we might not see it or when we're too stubborn to see it. And so what this psalm does in Psalm 89 is provide us a certain confidence, a reminder that we can keep coming back to even when our experience in life right now doesn't seem to match up with the promises that he's made. We know, God, you are constant. You are steadfast and faithful, and so I will rest in you. I will bless your name in the midst of all of it. And so regardless of whether you're a gifted singer or you make a joyful noise, here is a song that we take up in a confidence of the Lord. The song of the confident Christian forever records the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness. That's the theme of this psalm before us. And so in its words, then, we need to be about those who have that recorded in us, but that as we look at our own lives, we would record the tender mercies of the Lord, that that we would see time and time and time again that he's constant. No matter how often we push play, no matter how often we open these pages, we would continue to hear that same song, and that would continue to illuminate our lives in him together. And so we have to be confident and committed to the recording of steadfast love in the light. That's the first 37 verses that there's almost that angst where we get to verse 37 and you're like, can it just be done? Can it be over? 
But we know that all of those days and that experience aren't going to always be that way. And so we need to be confident and committed to the recording of true blessings in the dark as well. And that's the end of the psalm that we'll look at together. But first, we give ourselves to recording, to setting that kind of tape in our lives, a recording of steadfast love in the light. Because what God is doing ultimately in the psalm is illuminating his promises. A reminder here to Ethan the Ezraite, to all of those who would hear this song or would have been a part of the compiling of this song together, hey, there's been a lot of light in our history. There are covenant promises that have been yes and amen always in a God who is faithful. In fact, he had promised them, here is the light of my word given to the patriarchs, given to the prophets. Here is my presence among you in the tabernacle. Here is this great light, all of the flashing on the top of the mountain and in the tabernacle and in the temple. Here's my glory. The glory of all my acts, of all my redemption, of my very presence itself and all of the promises that are sure to be because I am who I say I am. One worthy of all of your worship. One worthy of all of your praise. One worthy of all of your trust. And so that song then starts there. It's the most important thing we need to hear. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. He doubles down in verse 2. For I said steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. And so through the psalm, you have this interplay of two very important words. That the first is one we've used together, hesed. It is that word of covenant faithfulness. It is of his kindness. And the beauty here in the Hebrew is that that word hesed is usually singular. Here it's plural. And so he frames the psalm in saying, here are his abundant kindnesses. That you can't look anywhere in your life and not see some testimony, hear some melody of his faithfulness in that way, of his kindness, of his steadfast love that isn't going to change or fade or spoil or wear out. But yet he also doubles down in it in using a very near word. That word faithfulness is emuna, which means steadfast, but it's firm and fixed in the intention of his work. His intention is your salvation. His intention is your your good, as well as his glory. So he says, in every way that I'm going to show you my kindness and my steadfast love and my faithfulness, it is directed to that for your good and for my glory. And you can't get away from it. And so the example that Ethan the Ezraite uses is that of David. And so certainly there's that critical part of us that says, well, there's a lot messed up in his story too. And you're right, but not messed up according to the promise. Not messed up in terms of that which was offered to him. And so both are shown in the promise made to David in 2 Samuel 7. And so I'd invite you to turn there, 2 Samuel 7, and let's turn to verse 12. Second Samuel 7, 
verse 12. When your days, David, are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. And so we see this wonder where David has come at the beginning of 2 Samuel 7 saying, I want to build a house for you. And God says, no, 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 no. This isn't about your work. Steadfast love is not bound to your work. It's bound to my work. So David, you will not build me a house, but I'm going to build you something better. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a reign. I'm going to build you a throne. And so the verbiage there speaks of light and life. It's going to be full of that. And so that sets the stage for Ethan to write a psalm that says, look, people, The truth of the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord, those blessings, those abundant kindnesses, have been made known always. And so that's the one you're fixing your eyes on right now, saying, God, you promised that to David, but Babylon is here. And there is no king, and there is no real leadership. And he's saying, wait a minute. If that's how you're going to play this, if that's how you're going to fix your eyes in that way, you're missing the whole. You're missing the broader vista. And so in verses 5 through 9, steadfast love and faithfulness are shown in His creative and sustaining work. Here is the Lord taking care of all that He has made in an abundance of steadfast love and kindness. In verses 10 through 12, steadfast love and faithfulness are known in that great redeeming work that we would call the Exodus. And so we see it in that delivering of a people. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. And then in verses 13 through 18, he continues to speak steadfast love and faithfulness in terms of his restoring work. This is what I have done for this people. This is what I have set up before them. Righteousness and justice, the foundation of my throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. That repetition again of that terminology. Which refers to then the light of God, the light of worship, the light of blessing, and the light of His glory. This is what I work. And what was to be then their promise in all of it? Verse 18, for our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. That was to be the test of it, the reminder of it, that all of these things are ours because of that, because of Him, that the truth of steadfast love and faithful blessing would be known in the promise of a king who would sit on that throne established by God, who is to submit himself in every way to that God, a king set apart unto holiness. And that's where we start to see verses 19 and following start to come to mind. 
that he would be a king set apart to holiness. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. I have consecrated him, verse 20, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. I will hold him and I will empower him. I will care for him and by him I will care for you. He will be my God-hand-picked one, my God's arm-protected one. Here's what I've given you. So that we see the truth then in verse 24. My faithfulness and steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. That the king would be praised because he belonged to the Lord. That is the greatest bit of light in the psalm. And not just for that king, but for all who would follow him. My faithfulness and steadfast love shall be with, insert your name here. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. And when we're living into that, and living out that, how awesome, how beautiful, how powerful. Steadfast love in the light. That is an abundance of it. And so these accounts throughout this part of the psalm, continuing there even to verse 37, because now we see, I will establish his offspring, verse 29, as his throne, the days of heaven. But then what? But you have a responsibility. See, we want that blessing, we want that light, but we don't want to remember that in recording his steadfast love and faithfulness, he's saying, what I call you to is steadfast love and faithfulness. God, I want you to be good, but I don't want to be good. It doesn't work that way. And so if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, and and on it goes, I'm going to punish them. David would be chastised. Solomon would be chastised. The kingdom would be removed from their hands. The kingdom would be broken. But God would continue to be faithful. And so these accounts are recorded for us so that we would heed his call to a right response of faith. That in hearing that word, hearing the song that he sings to us, hearing the song that should be coming out of our mouths in response, here would be a response, a chorus of faith, of submission, of service. All the while, never fretting, never losing hope or confidence in the fact that our Lord will never stop being who He says He is. He will never stop acting according to His nature. He will never stop fulfilling every promise of His Word, no matter what's swirling about us. Not even if we're broken and and we fall into sin. He's continuing to work His good purpose. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter how often it might seem as though we can't see him or his hand at work in those whom he places on the thrones or those providences that he works in our lives or when we can't see how his promises are being fulfilled because of how much darkness and blindness is set around us or at times takes residence in us. And so all of these verses speak to those times where we can see his word, 
and we're hearing it. And it's operating in us rightly. And we're meditating on that word day and night. Here it is working. Steadfast love and faithfulness clearly spoken and sung. And so are we taking the time to record it? Yes, God, what you have promised, but also what you call me to. That in those moments of light, in those moments of blessing, that is the harder time to be thankful for these things. To truly submit to him in these things. To not have anything but an expectation that he will continue to do these things for us because of us rather than his steadfast kindnesses and faithfulness. So record it. The old song, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Are we taking that time? Faithful to recording it so that we would remember it. And he gives to us in gracious goodness a record of the same in his word. Because he knows, and I think that's, that's the beauty, right? That we don't just have a, an oral tradition in the scriptures, but God said, I, I want my word written out. I want you to always have it with you. I want you to have this mixtape, as it were, that reveals to you not everything that I'm doing, but the most important bit of your salvation for you. Because I know that in the light, you will rejoice in it. But you're going to need it. All of the true blessings that I provide in the dark as well. And that's why I want to take more time, perhaps, to, to look at that last part. And I was tempted, congregation, to to split the psalm in half. And so to use that first part on one Sunday and then drop the heavy the next Sunday. But yet they're so intimately connected because the struggle is in that time of goodness and light that's being listed out there and here's all of his blessings to David and all of his blessings to his people and the blessings that are ours as we continue in that confession and sing this song. But, but then we forget. We forget who he is. We forget his word. We forget a need for gratitude in the midst of all that's swirling about us. And in that way, things can get dark very quickly. And so what do we need to remember? I want you to hear this. If God is all steadfast love and faithfulness, then does God or can God reject or renounce his promises? No. He never does. He never says something and then takes it back. This is my sure promise to David. We know who David is. My sure promise to David. This is my sure promise to Israel. But God, don't you see what's going This is my sure promise. Covenant promises children that have been placed on your head. God hasn't changed his mind about those things. Those things that we have embraced by faith. And now this God says all of my promises are now yours. But God, if I'm your child, why is this happening? Why have you brought this into my life? Why have you ordained this? If God is all steadfast love and faithfulness, then does God or can God reject or renounce his promises? No. Can we or anything we do negate his sure promises and unchanging love? No. Isn't that worth remembering? Isn't that worth, now let's move from cassettes to CDs, pop it on repeat, and just listening to that again and again and again. 
remember, there's no darkness in him. But there certainly is in us. And so that's the Lord meeting us there. When we've turned away from him and he hasn't left. But he's saying, remember. And hear that word again. So that as we look back, and I've started going there a little bit, but I want to pull it through here. Look back again at verse 30. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. And so what we hear there is there's a judgment. There's a reckoning. And yet we know in hearing the scriptures with other scriptures, that sounds a lot like, that sounds a lot like what Jesus endured for me. The rod of the Father's wrath. By his stripes, I'm, I'm healed. He's taken all my iniquity on himself. So that what? What is the key word in verse 33? But, but I will not remove my steadfast love from him or be false to my faithfulness. Why? Because Christ is sufficient for you. Because of Christ, because of that son of David in whom God has been abundantly kind and faithful in steadfast love, in tender mercies, in kindnesses and blessings that are new every morning. I have done this for you. I have given this to you. The Lord says, I will not remove, be false, violate, or alter my promise. I will always be faithful to my promise because I have sworn it to you, not on the basis of your holiness, on the basis of mine. Mine. So then why does this part of the recording seem to sound so different? Why is it this sadness and this woe and this darkness and and this questioning of God, this anger at God? God, why does my life seem to be nothing but curses rather than blessings, more darkness rather than light? And he's saying in the beautiful way that God typically does and in the way that we don't want to hear something more wrathful, but he says, because of you. Because of us. That's the struggle. Why does the Lord bring about the enacting of his curse and bringing about judgment and sorrow? Oh, because he really likes to mess with people. No. He does it to correct us and to humble us and to show us how dark our made darkness is so that we would return to him and record the wonder that in his light alone do we see light. Running to the only one who has made the light that shines out of the darkness shine in our hearts to grant us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God so that we would have something on record to speak into that darkness knowing that as Christ has pierced the darkness as we are found in him there is no darkness at all but light. Because the true blessing Hear this carefully. The true blessing, even in the experience of times of seeming darkness, is the truth that God is always faithful to all of his word. And we know that in Christ. 
We know that he has been faithful to all of those things, even that rod and even those stripes for us, we know. Which means, yes, in those times of darkness, he is faithful to the chastening of verses 38 through 45. Cast off and rejected, wrath against your anointed, renounced the covenant, defiled his crown, breached his walls, laid his strongholds in ruin, plundered, scorned, foes exalted, rejoicing enemies, no victory, no splendor, no throne, short days, and shame. That in the experience of darkness and struggle, he will bring us to the need to humble our sinful selves before him again. And there is nothing pleasant there. There is nothing that the Lord delights in there. He doesn't willingly afflict nor grieve the children of men. We hear that in Lamentations 3. But he's a faithful father who brings us again and again to our need for the illuminating truth of his word. Kids, when, you're, when your parents come in because you've slept too long in the morning and that room is dark and instantly all the light goes on and it hurts, right? Like covers over, I don't want to deal with that. But your father or mother is faithful, right? To tearing that comforter off and say, let's go, let's go. And here is the Lord, full blast in that moment of darkness, illuminating all of it by way of the truth of his word and the examining power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate all of that darkness so that we would not sin or continue to sin, but to live all of our days in the light and life that he provides. But there's more for us there. Because yes, he's faithful to that chastening, to that curse as it were. But yes, oh yes, he's faithful to the promises of verses 33 to 37 too. Because when those things seemed that most dark, most out of control, most nonsensical, the Lord was faithful to his promise to David, even at those points when his people couldn't perhaps see how. Where's the king? Where's the one? He's coming and his name is Jesus. The Messiah is coming and I need you to wait for him. That his true blessings to us in the dark bring us to our need to pray and to cry out with all of our might to sing out to him for the promises of the son of David. For promises that can only be known and founded in the promised Redeemer Messiah. We have a faithful witness in the skies whom we can pray to who can deliver our souls from the power of Sheol. So that we would pray to him, answer our prayer soon. That we would pray, reveal yourself anew to us. Praying, Lord, in your wrath, please remember mercy. And in the record of such praying, what are we doing? But getting to a point where years later, hopefully just moments later, but typically <laughs> waiting on the Lord is a lot longer than that. But we'll get to press play in that moment later. And we're going to hear all of the ways in which God was at work for your good and for his glory. 
all of those ways that he had shown you kindness that you were too stubborn to open your eyes to or so blinded by what you wanted that you didn't see what he did and what he wanted. Because the true blessing is recorded as we call out for the coming and redeeming word of that anointed one. That for us a promised Messiah who is come and still coming. Because in that dark day, what Ethan and what those people were ultimately singing out and crying for, what they were asking for, was to see his promised steadfast love to David. Send the one to be seated on his throne in truth and faithfulness. Remember our need for salvation as we live and suffer among a people who hate God and hate his word, who despise his truth and his people. And God is simply saying, I'm here and I'm working. Even in the midst of your exile, I will be there and I will be working. That today, brothers and sisters, in our dark, We already know the fulfillment of the promise made to David. One that is yes and amen in that Messiah, Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the light in the darkness. But that means that we will suffer as we seek to be those who shine that light into the darkness. And so when things get dark, even as he says, well, that's what's around you and that's the reality but not for you as found in Christ, will we be faithful to shine that light out into the darkness? When we're mocked for our faith, yet need to continue to follow and long for him who is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, will we follow the faithful one who when reviled did not revile in return, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly according to the promise of his word? Are we going to be given to the darkness that we see or to the light of the Lord that is found in our hearts in Christ? When we're mocked for that kind of intentional following, yet it is our very blessing in the midst of dark days and forgetful moments because our blessing is found in denying ourselves. In not giving ourselves to what we see or what we feel, but to what we know to denying ourselves and taking up our crosses and following in the footsteps of the anointed one. That's a beautiful verse in this psalm. For in the darkness, we can't always see the steps that he would have us take. But yet he shines the light so that we can. And while the light might not show us everything in every moment, his word serves for us as a lamp to our feet. And will continue forever to be a light to our path. Which means then that in times full of light and of the experience of every blessing and those variegated kindnesses. And in times of darkness where we question God or where we long for his nearness and return. We sing the same song. We continue to sing the same song and play it over and over and over again in the comfort of the one who gives it, in the security of the one who makes the promise and keeps it. For we can, according to his steadfast love and faithfulness, proclaim the true blessing that this psalm and that this full book of the psalms concludes with. Blessed be the Lord forever. 
that that's the answer to both halves of the psalm. Blessed be the Lord forever. No matter what's going on, goodness and light, darkness and suffering and woe, and anything else that might be on the spectrum between them, I can be mindful of the mixtape I've been given. Promises recorded, faithfulness that continues to be added on to it, all of that which is recorded that I might hear it and look to it again and again and again in joy and in sorrow, in a trust of their truth and veracity, because every true word of God is fixed forever, whose fullest meaning is found in the Word made flesh, who made His dwelling among us, and who has done all things for us in our salvation, and who will return in all of that glory to bring us into an eternal experience of the same. So are you listening? Are you listening? Or have you in times of frustration or anger or difficulty or sadness laid that mixtape off to the side a bit? You're not ready to listen to it again. You're angry with God. You're questioning his purpose. What you're holding in your lap is that before you. But do you believe it? Do you believe every one of his promises? Do you believe that he will keep every one of his promises. And do you believe it then by faith, loving the one who works for you and fights for you and is with you always, so that in this moment, whatever your current experience is, that you would keep listening to and hearing that recording, and you would hear it and listen to it so much that you can't help but sing it. And it may seem discordant with your experience, but you're going to keep singing it because he's recorded it for you in the one he loves, in the son of David, your anointed Savior, Jesus Christ, that we would say, blessed be the Lord forever, amen and amen. That my song forever shall record in all circumstances, in all places, the tender mercies of the Lord, a faithfulness that never dies, established and changeless in the skies. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth and comfort of your word. Father, it's a large word, and we've hopped over bits of it. Father, it's rich. I pray and commit this to your people this week. Even it's been committed to my own heart, Lord, in the light of your presence and the joy and the peace of believing, Lord, there is so much blessing to be mindful of, a great king on the throne that we might always look to and promise. But Father, in dark days, in dark times, in dark hours, Father, I confess to you that I am so, so quick to turn away from what you've promised, to turn away from a testimony of steadfast love and faithfulness, of chesed, and Emunah, because I'm so full of what I want or my own sin, that that's what makes darkness dark, because we aren't living according to the light of your word, the light of the world, who is Jesus. So, Father, would you help our unbelief and increase our faith, and that, Father, we would keep turning back to that word. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. 
and I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what I feel, but I will listen, and I will hear. And Father, no matter how hard it is to persevere, nothing will keep me from singing your praise. Blessed be the Lord forever, because you are faithful and you are true. And so, Father, would you help us to do that together, that as we record these things, as we record it for each other, as we hear that record of your word, Father, would you receive all the praise and honor and glory that is due you. Thank you for that anointed one, Jesus, who bore that rod, who took those stripes, who allows us to see his footprints that we might follow in them. Lord Jesus, continue to be faithful to us in these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we have opportunity to...